Okay, good morning, guys. Good morning. It's uh, Jesus and the guys here on March the 12th, the uh, weekend before St. Patty's Day. And I'd just like to introduce uh, John here, uh, Robert, Steve uh, Higgins' friend, Keith McGuire, and remotely coming in, we have uh, Tom Burke, who usually sits over there with you. And uh, Robert, you want to say hello to Tom? I don't think Tom. You hey, see Tom. Good to see you. Hi, Robert. Same here. Thank you. All right, Ben. Okay. So uh, I, I guess we're just going to start with a prayer and uh, go in and have a scripture reading. And uh, again, it, this is just uh, for uh, our faith and, and just a camaraderie here. And uh, uh, how do you describe it, Thomas? Uh, fellow, great fellowship with church friends. There you go. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, glad to be here on a Saturday morning. Uh, there's uh, two, three, four, five, six of us here. Phil couldn't come in from Florida this weekend. Uh, he, has a, he has a family thing going on. Uh, Bob Peterson, Matt DeVal, those guys will eventually come in. And so I guess we're going to go with a scripture reading, Keith. Is that? Uh, yeah. So uh, we read the gospel reading for Sunday. I was wondering if, uh, Robert, do you want to do the reading for us? Sure. I'll um, do the honors. Yeah. Here it is. Thank you. Well, and by the way, Thomas, it is starting to snow here. It's only, it's only 80 degrees here. <laughs> wow. Where is he coming from? Where is he now? Our family comes down here three to four days uh, each spring, but we did it earlier this year. And we usually stay in Fort Lauderdale, but we're a little bit south of Fort Lauderdale. It's called Deerfield Beach. And we're just going to head to the beach pretty soon. <laughs> Sorry, oh, <wow>. guys. <laughs> oh, that's uh, terrific. God bless you. That's, uh, so, so you won't be time. here. You, you'll be here for a short period of time then. Say it again. You'll be here a short period of time with us. Yeah, any any moment they're going to come out and tell me uh, what the plan is for the day, and I have to <laughs> go with the plan. <laughs> You're set to the beat, but Thomas, we really appreciate you coming in. This is our first remote. I got to give Keith McGuire all the credit in the world. We finally got a remote access hooked up where we could actually see you and hear you, and uh, that 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 that's a big thing. So we hope uh, you know anybody that ever wants to join with us is welcome to. We have the link. And it's just a humble, you know, bagel coffee fellowship. So, yeah. So, wish you well down there. Enjoy yourself. And uh, Rob, Robert, Robert's going to come with the reading here. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, 
Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud came a voice and said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Why in that message, Robert? Why don't you start off? Give us your thoughts. Wow, that's really, um, really unbelievable because, you know, how how often we're in the presence of the Lord and of God and of those of the Old Testament as we read the Bible, the gift that was given to us over time, right? And what we need to keep reminding ourselves is, Lord, it is good that we are here, right? I mean, think about it. We have so many blessings and so many things to be grateful for, right? If we Spend the time that we have counting our blessings, we wouldn't have any time to count our, our problems and our worries. That's a great way to look at it. Right? It's true. So, so, you know, by saying, you know, God, it is good that we are here. I mean, that is, uh, that's something to always think about in any time that we're praying. Because prayer and communion with fellow Christians like this is a gift. And um, and uh, I think that uh, that anytime we're we're grateful for it and we can promulgate that, you know, make it make it uh, more sustained in our lives, the better off we are. So that's my thought on that. Very cool. Thomas, you want to weigh in since your time is limited today? Yeah, I agree with Robert just said. Um I think we have to spend more time doing that is the fact that, you know, when we pray to God, thank him more for the blessings that we have in our lives. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, when I, when I read the beginning of this gospel earlier today, that the one thing that struck me is I don't have it in front of me, but in the very beginning, how it was so bright that they weren't able to see. And I'm just, and right away I thought, is that what it's going to be like? Or what is it going to be like, you know, once we die and hopefully um, attain heaven um, is how bright it was. But getting back to what Robert said, yeah, I think it's a great idea as to what he said. It, I think right away it's helping me to think more about um, the blessings that we have in our lives and, and to thank God for them. Uh, how about yourself, Mark? What are your, what are your thoughts? Do you have any? Well, I'm just, I'm just taking it all in when you say, you know, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be here. It's just, it's just a great thing. I, I, I enjoy the fellowship and I enjoy listening to the word. I enjoy hearing from fellow brothers here that, uh, that, uh, under, understand the gospel. I always learn something new. As much road as we have, you know, year after year after year, things we learn, um, uh, uh you know, it's it, it, it's good that we're here, as, as, as Robert had, had said. Um, what 
does anybody know why in the transfiguration that it was Moses and Elijah that was up there? Was there any special reasons for that? Or the uh, I think uh, probably um, you know, we talked about this before, like you know Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets, and that you know Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, the thing that, that sense, yeah. sticks out to me was that, you know, one that is, I think, the only other instance where you have, uh, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit um, kind of together is at the baptism of Jesus when you hear the voice of the Father saying something similar, you know, that this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then here uh, um, you hear the Father. Say, um, and I guess the cloud is supposed to kind of represent the Holy Spirit, but uh, you hear the Father say, um, you know, this is this is my chosen son, listen to him. And uh, it's not part of this gospel reading, but then right, right before this happens, the thing that Jesus says, which I feel like is, is one of the things that is supposed to be referenced in the, the listen to him part is, um, so, so right before there, it says, uh, the Son of Man, Jesus says, the Son of Man must endure great suffering, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be put to death, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all who were with him, anyone who wishes to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? If anyone is ashamed of me and of my word, son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. So, uh, so kind of like the word that uh, Jesus talking about about you know listening to him is that there there's going to be suffering in this in this world and if you if you you know want to stand with Jesus you're going to have to go through you know suffering but uh, you know but you know, it's not about you it's about you know advancing the kingdom so it's like you know basically uh, anyone who wants to make it about themselves they're not going to you know uh, they're not going to you know, act, actually save their life, you know. Um, um, and then another thing that's interesting is when he says that um, uh, some standing here who will not face death before they see the kingdom of God. And then immediately after that is uh, Jesus to Peter, James, and John went up the mountain praying. So they see, they see the kingdom of God, you know, before they die because they see it in the transfiguration. It's like a glimpse of, of the resurrection, um, you know, before the passion mm -hmm. to, to strengthen them. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. John, the fourth uh, luminous mystery is transfiguration. So obviously, it's very important, important event. You know that they, there's so many uh, public, uh, public, um, so many events and miracles and uh, teachings in a three-year public ministry of uh, Jesus Christ. But Pope John Paul II, uh, Saint Paul John Paul II, felt that the uh, transfiguration was important enough to uh, to include. You know, in that, uh, in, that in that particular decade of the Rosary, which is supposed to be uh, recited on uh, Thursdays, 
um, as, as, as the add-on, fourth one for the uh, 2002, I believe. And then the, uh, the glimpse of heaven, you know, the, the bright light, um, I, you know, in, in near-death experiences, which are, you know, some of that is, um, you know, some of them really can't be factually, uh, you know, verified, but I mean, a lot of people speak of seeing a very, very bright light. And then if they happen to be revived, you know, that's what they talk, some of them talk about that, seeing, uh, you know, bright light beginning to approach them. As if they if they did if they did have cross over or die, then they'd be in the presence of God. Um, and I guess the uh, you know you could include more people more people could have been included, but I think that the three the three three persons I think is a uh, is a reference to you know the triune God. I mean I'm thinking thinking of like the prophet Isaiah is a very important prophet. But Elijah, I guess, is known. He, he's known as like kind of like the uh, the uh, the the, uh, the prophet's prophet, so to say. Right. So, but um, and then you you could uh, you could talk about uh, Abraham, maybe in the, in the Old Testament, leading up to Moses. But I think the fact that it's three people refers to uh, the Trinity. I think that's the uh, that's the uh, the tie-in with that. My thoughts for now. <clears throat> Mr. Higgins. Well, I don't know how to really add to any anything that's been said already, but uh, I do kind of wonder um, why this event occurred. Uh, I, and I guess uh, I'm thinking because if the apostles had any doubts, this would uh, probably remove all of them. Uh, and put a little bow around the, the message. But then, you know, how, how, long, how much longer before the crucifixion did this happen? Was this immediately before or a couple of days, weeks? And, uh, does anybody know? I think in the Gospel of Luke, I think it is just before the beginning of the Passion, but I think in a different Gospel, it, it's... Oh, no, it's not. So I had somebody once tell me, or I think I heard something a long time ago about it. Was it, was it James and John and Peter that were up there? I, I lost, or was it? I down, you know, in a, in, to uh, in deference to uh, 
Jesus, I guess. Jesus, Jesus you know, he's uh, the regular way. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, that's sorry okay, because I need a little help here. I really do. Um, so, I, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, and Peter, uh, well, I mean, if this, this thing would, uh, if I were there, it would certainly increase my faith. Uh, yet, no matter what, you're still a human and, and you can fail in this life like Peter did um, in, in denying Christ three times. Um, but then again, you can be forgiven. Um, I do think that I did just check, and I think in the Gospels, it is like there's a bunch of material in between this time and the Passion. So it is uh, kind of. Um, what uh, the spacing of it is well enough in advance that it could be that you know, uh, for the purpose of planting a seed of of, of faith, because it says that you know they didn't tell anyone about it at that time until until afterwards. Maybe they um, it was it was meant for them to remember uh, afterwards when they needed uh, yeah. that like you know uh, injection of of hope and faith and, and um, that's what it feels like. I don't know. I think it'd be hard to keep a secret like that. I don't know how they did it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that, they didn't tell anyone until after the resurrection. But could you imagine experiencing that? And I, I don't know. I think that at one at one um, point, or maybe it was another experience, right? Because remember, Jesus did a lot of healings, and he told the people not to tell anyone, right? I don't know if Jesus told them not to say anything in this particular instance, right? But we're told that they didn't say anything. But I, I don't remember reading that he told them not to say anything. So that might have been a conscious choice on their part not to say anything or an influence of the Holy Spirit. But how do you avoid that, right? Whenever something, a miracle happens in my life, I'm just like on the mountaintop telling people because it's so important. Maybe they didn't know how to say it. You know, something so fantastic happens. And uh, they don't know what to say about it, you know. They they don't, you know. Well, in, in the gospel, uh, in the gospel, Mark it does say that Jesus ordered them to tell uh, them uh, what, Mark, okay, what they Mark. had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Okay. Plus, if you do go around saying that, people are going to think you're crazy, you know. Yeah, but they couldn't even tell the other uh, the other apostles apparently. Well, there, I, yeah, I mean. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously, they, they said that Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone. But like you were saying, in times when when he heals people and says, you know, not to say anything, and they do anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess Peter, Peter was the one who uh, said that you know um, identified uh, who gave the best definition for who Jesus Christ was. When he, uh, you know, who do people say that right. I am? And Peter responded in the right way, in the correct way. And uh, um, I don't have the exact quotes. I don't want, I don't want to misquote. But uh, so he was very, uh, so Jesus attributed, attributed knowledge to the Holy Spirit coming into him, enlightening him. But Peter is uh, portrayed, you know, I think in uh, historical uh, literature and also in, in the TV programs, this recent one, The Chosen as being very, uh, you know, wearing his heart on his sleeve, you know, being very, uh, very evocative and wanting to express his opinions and uh, just sort of uh, 
having instinctual knowledge of, uh, you know, what, uh, what things are. So, um, I would say that, uh, you know, that Peter, uh, just had, you know, it's, it's almost like there's a hierarchy of the apostles. It's kind of, to me, it's just a little bit antithetical, but, um, you know, Peter and then James and John seem to be kind of like the part of the upper hierarchy. So, and then, you know, you, yeah. the other nine, and then, of course, you have Judas, who was thinking all along that Jesus would eventually, you know, become a revolutionary and authorize everybody to take up arms and drive the Romans out. And when that didn't happen, he uh, that led to the one of the reasons that led to the betrayal, you know, uh, for uh, on Holy uh, Holy Thursday and the Good Friday. So, uh, um, but uh, it's just part of the human the human factor, you know. You, Jesus was human at that time, and just mean God like, and then everybody else, he was dealing with human beings who were imperfect and had, had a lot of good points, but also a lot of flaws too. I do think that Peter is wearing hard on the sleeve here when he when he says the thing about uh, you know, it is good to be here. You know, it's like he's not shy at all. He's like, whatever he's thinking, he'll he'll say. Well, maybe this is also just a revelation or, or, or a validation that uh Christ is both human and divine. Yeah, another thing is uh, with his clothes and appearance being dazzling white, I, I think there is, you know, uh, at the resurrection, the description of some of the angels are, are, are like that. So it's like, mm -hmm. um, and Jesus also says that, you know, uh, uh, when questioned about the resurrection, he he says that um, you know you'll, you'll be like the angels, and so it's, it's like you know, in some in some way that like uh, I, I, it's mysterious. I don't I don't really know, but but uh, the worst it's like a glimpse of his like his glorified body, and supposedly that's what like I don't know, it's like angelic. Yeah, this is this. You're, you're looking at a glimpse of heaven. Of, of, of you know, and that's when God came down and said, "This is my son. Listen to him." Isn't that I got the right one? Mm -hmm. So think about that. Here they have Jesus with them, but you know, he talks about the resurrection. You'll be with me with, with God, and there it is. And you hear God, and there's Elijah, and there's Moses. Could you could, could you imagine it if, if if you see your family and friends and all those that have passed on? Because that's a glimpse of heaven, and they were privileged. To experience that yeah but also it's like so that's the good news and then it's like the bad news part is he, he says listen to him he just, you know it's like you gotta go you, you, you do have to go through you know suffering and, and and uh i think of like with moses and elijah you know moses was a reluctant leader of, of uh and 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 he had to deal with his people being rebellious and stuff yeah. and, and uh and, and leading them through that and uh with elijah and you know, prophets in general, you know, they have to risk their lives. They have to, you know, um, you know, speak out, um, you know, and you know, just you know, have total trust in, in God throughout throughout the you know, you know, through thick and thin, through whatever happens. And and Moses was the one who too, through the burning bush, actually got to converse with God. I mean, you know, how, you know, it's just hitting me right now how how few you know you, you have all these passages in the bible and everything else but there's god and he's with moses and now he's with peter james and john 
and you see the Elijah in that. And I do and, wonder what their um, like you know. So obviously, you know, Moses and Elijah had a relationship with God, and uh, and and Jesus is God. And so like, what is their relation? Like, how do they? I wonder if it's like when when uh, when Moses, like you know, what did Moses know Jesus? You know, at, at his time, like as 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 the son or or anything like that or like i'm curious what uh, and i've heard people talk about instances in the old testament that that point towards um you know the idea of, of the trinity and like even in the new testament technically that that word the trinity is not is not there but um but uh like i'm curious if you know i don't know what are your guys thoughts on that well correct me if i'm wrong but Moses and Elijah were the only people that ever talked to God directly, aside from Jesus. Yeah, like, it, yeah, because Moses would see him, and his face would like be shiny and stuff like that. Right, and, and I don't know. Or no, and Abraham would be another one. Okay. Abraham. Yeah, and I think Jonah also, uh, you know, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Well, and it was a conversation, well, so some sort of a conversation between him and God. Right? Yeah, but like physically seeing, uh, and also I think there's that tradition that uh, Israel, Jacob got his name from wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And that's yeah. another thing is like, you know, is the, the angel of the Lord, like, is that, I don't know. It, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if people... When they say in the when you read that they saw God, like the only one that I can say, you know, specifically that that makes sense for is Moses of the um like I guess of the tabernacle. He went up to the mountain and 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 you know because after seeing God, his face was like radiant and he had to like cover his face and stuff like that. But I'm not sure if Elijah like physically saw God. Thomas, what do you think there, bud? It's kind of quiet. I'm just taking everything in, what everybody's saying. That's that 80 degree weather down there. Nice. It's, it's affecting me. I'm squinting because it's so bright. I'm outside, so I'm not bothering anybody inside. Okay. All right. But, uh, up, I'll let you guys know. Yeah. So between the transfiguration and the, uh, and the, uh, you know, the Easter, uh, Triduum. You have the raising of a Lazarus, and um, you know that was uh, that was he was raised from the dead ultimately to die once again, of course, you know at a later time. But um, but um, I guess I guess if there were ten decades of decades of rosary, you know that then that would be included. But um, you think about the five uh, parts of the luminous mystery, uh, you know the you know the uh, the baptism. So the sacrament of baptism that's very important and then the the first the beginning of the public ministry was that wedding feast and then on the sermon on the mount you know describing the whole concept of the kingdom of god and then uh you know two left so forth uh would be you know this uh and then the first for the baptism and the, and the fourth for transfiguration that's where you have the heavens a vision of the heavens opening up and I know that I heard a sermon. Uh, you know, we, there was one one of these uh, meetings here was talking about the gospel for the baptism of uh, of uh, Jesus Christ, 
And um, one of the reflections I heard on, in a subsequent sermon I listened on the radio was that the priest said that, uh, you know, the, uh, the descent of the dove, the Holy Spirit, that was the, the first time that heaven, heaven had been opened up to earth. That was the, the first sort of, um, not sort of, it was the first time that the heavens were opened up and the possibility of something greater than this life on earth was uh, manifested. Um, and then you have uh, in this in the fourth decade of the Rosary, the Transfiguration. Again, you have the opening up of the uh, of uh, heaven and the vision of God. So, uh, and then a third time would be, you know, uh, when Jesus expired. Then you had the all, you know, the ripping of the veil, the big storm, and you had the threatening, you know, the, uh, the showing, I guess, the anger of God the Father about what the humans had done to His. Uh, beloved son so uh and then and i guess th throughout the old testament there are probably other examples no but ascension. i don't know yeah. the ascension yeah. right right um but uh yeah i guess i don't know much about elijah i guess elijah was the very very first prophet would he have been the very first I prophet i don't know yeah yeah to look that up yeah I know. but then the, the fifth one john um Right, we don't see heaven, but we see God when we have the Eucharist, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the fifth luminous mystery. So I know we we don't see him uh, in we see him in the form of uh, of bread, right, and wine, but uh, that's only because we're human, right? We can't see beyond that, right? But we know because of our faith that that it's the body and blood of Christ. So that's the way we are seeing the, the uh, another transfiguration every time we go to mass, right? Mm -hmm. He's being he's being transfigured, transformed yeah. from bread and wine into his actual body. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So um, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. they call it transubstantiation, but it's that same word trans, transfigure, trans. Formation, transubstantiation. So it's trans meaning, you know, crossing over, right? I believe, right? And um, you know, transition, right? It's it, it's something we can look it up. You know, how many other times the word trans is is, is uh, used in terms of crossing over? There's something from here to there, and as John says, right? It's it's giving us a glimpse of of heaven. That's those are um, those are good examples, right? Another thing related to that is like uh, you know when 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 Jesus said uh, you know whatever you do to the least of these uh, you do to me because we're also being in the same way the, the Eucharist uh, you know becomes the body and blood of Christ. Hopefully we are also becoming you know, the body of Christ. You know we're being transformed into into saints. Mm -hmm. So like you know Jesus right. uh, you know. You know, you, you consume the Eucharist, and you consume Jesus, and, and, and the Holy Spirit transforms you. And so, like, even uh, all the other humans that we see, you know, we're supposed to have reverence for. Yeah. Yeah, I think in this current this current war, which of course should never have happened to begin with. Um, you have a lot of, uh, you know, an important factor is the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church and, and the faith of their 
their priests and, and, and bishops. Right. You know, they're being very, um, you know, they're being, they're also being very strong in addition to the uh, Zelensky, the, uh, the leader, you know, is being, uh, has been transformational in terms of leading the country, defending their country. But the religious leaders on the Ukrainian Orthodox side, and then you, I'm sure, the, I mean, most, all of the Russian Orthodox church leaders are, they're not happy about this either. No one's happy about this, unless you're, unless you're a maniac like uh, Putin is. Well, there's also just so. people who, people who believe things that aren't true. So it's like, you don't have to be a maniac to think something that's not true. So it's like, probably people just believe the propaganda, you know, like they, yeah. Believe, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I was going to lead up to saying that, um, you know, the, uh, the Ukrainian um, people who are, by, by and large, very faithful, they're, 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 uh, they know that there's a, that the victory is won and that there are human battles that are being lost right now and terrible things being done to innocent people. But ultimately, ultimately all of those innocent people will be, um, you know, will make it uh, up to uh, heaven and have everlasting life even though their life maybe may have been deprived as a result of this action. But, um, you know, there was one image of a, uh, a Russian Orthodox priest that were lead, leading, leading a, like a, a, a casket of a child into a burial plot in the graveyard or cemetery of the church. And the, uh, everybody was very stoic, obviously sad, but just sort of, uh, you know, making sure that the religious uh, ritual was, was done properly. Uh, to the extent that it could, and so uh, you know the um, you know the image of the uh, Transfiguration. Um, I'm sure for faithful Ukrainians, faithful Russians too, are protesting the war. That's something that they're uh, that's in, in the center, row, in front of their mind, thinking of going through this time right now. Yeah. Wait, I, I I don't want to change the subject from the from the reading, right? But following up with what John said, right? But think of it this way. Um, with God, all things are possible. And we know that even in the book of Revelation and in various apparitions of Mary, that before the end times, Russia will be converted, right? So, God can take this bad thing and make it into a good thing. John just talked about how religious and faithful Ukraine is, right? Maybe it's God's will to make Ukraine part of Russia in order to convert Russia. I mean, that mm -hmm. is a possibility that we can't deny, right? Yeah. Because the people of the of the Ukraine are so faithful, right? And then you have people within Russia who are faithful. Well, maybe this is God's design to maybe make the connection work and he will be transfigured before the people of Russia and, and Putin, right? That's an I interesting mean, thought. I, well, I have, never thought right? of that. That's very interesting. You never, you know, you look, you look for the silver lining and it's like, yeah, the tremendous faith of Ukraine, there's a faith in Russia, but you have a lot of uh, strife there too. And, and naturally, uh, there's going to be a goodness uh, from Ukraine that is, 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 is coming to Russia, even though Russia's, you know, the aggressor and doing terrible, horrible things. And that's just the leadership, you know. Right. And it's just the leadership. And they, and they you reiterated about that. It's like, don't blame the Russian people. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's, right. the, it's, it's the power. But think about what could happen, right? Let's say they take over Russia, uh, take over Ukraine, right? The faithful people, right? And then something happens to Putin, right? So he's out of the picture somehow. That opens the door then for, you know, the Christianization of Russia, let's say, if you've taken away the evil one from Russia, I guess, right? I mean, it still is a Marxist country, right? It's still a socialist country, but maybe you have a better chance of influence. No, you have a very, very positive influence. Right? Ukraine. So, I mean, whatever, right? We have to be optimistic as a, as a people that believe in yeah. God, right? In Christ. So, um, That's a very positive thing. And the Russians and the Ukrainians are, are very close. Their languages are, are very similar. And their uh, ancestry is very similar. Right. The Vikings coming down the bowl. Again. But it used to be, I mean, Ukraine used to be part of Russia, right? So well, it was part of the Soviet Union. It United was part States. of the whole, yeah. It was I part think of the, it was part of the Tsarist Empire before yeah. that. But over the last thousand years, this. But I don't know, just something to think about, right? There's um, how many things in the Bible have at the time seemed like really bad things, yeah. right? The exile of the Jews to Egypt, right? Etc. Yeah. But if we didn't have that kind of stuff, we wouldn't be where we are today, right? Yeah, the one that I feel like is most similar is when uh, Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. <laughs> and, 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 right. and then Oh, that's right. Him. That's very good. Yeah, that's yeah. excellent. That's fantastic, right? You know that story. But tell us what that story oh, yeah, is. I mean, that's... Yeah, uh, uh, you know, Joseph's brothers jealous of him and they sell him into slavery and tell their dad that he died. And then later he becomes, you know, like Pharaoh's right-hand man and, and saves a whole bunch of people from uh, starvation. Um, so, like when you were mentioning that, that kind of like long-term plan about the Ukraine, I was like, yeah, but actually, you know, I, I feel like God frequently will do things like that, like use uh, 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 something bad and then turn it into something good, but on, on like a different time scale than you know, humans think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally different yeah. time scale. I mean, we're, we're so impatient yeah. as humans, right? I mean, in any regard, right? So, so um you know, like we we always talk about, um, you know, being pro-life and, and uh, abortion and everything. But, I mean, it's only been around since, what, 73, right? Right. Yeah. Which is a long time for us, right? Because it's the majority of our lives. But from a grand scale, it's not a very long time. So, so the world has definitely been subjected to uh, evils for that long of a period yeah. of time and then has been changed over, right? Because God dies, it's, you know, there's no concept of time, right? So um, it's always worse when we're thinking about it, yeah. right? You know, it's like World War II, when is this gonna end, you know, or, or something like that? Um, the Irish potato famine, you know, topical for this week, right? When is yeah. it gonna end? How do you escape it, right? So, um, so I guess um, we, we, I often think like, when are we going to have another transfiguration? 
I mean, when are we going to have another apparition of Mary, right? Because we're so thick-headed, right? Yeah. That we need things like that, you know? Because faith is not enough, even though God says to us, you know, blessed are those who believe and have not seen, right? But wouldn't it be so much easier, if, right? I mean, she did it at Fatima, right? You remember at Fatima, she made the sun dance and everything like that. And people who went to Fatima who were atheists and agnostics, who were happened to be reporters or whatever, right? They were there, and they're like, we're just going because nonsense. So we don't believe. We never, never believe. They're mocking it, right? Yeah. We're going to write how bad this is going to be. And they ended up being converted, right? Yeah. They converted to Christianity. So, so it's like, because they were like, this is, this is real, right? That's what I wish we would have something like that when we're in the depths of our despair. Yeah, well, I feel like uh, I've heard, um, I've heard people talk about this on, on the radio. And, and uh, even though, uh, uh, I guess, but still, I think that Fatima and everything after uh, after the gospel is just considered private revelation. That that the that the that the gospel itself uh, is is the sign that we're supposed to you know uh, you know uh, that's supposed to get us through the signs. Mm -hmm. But I've also heard people say that um, like if your spouse passes away or something like that. Uh, some people will have like dreams where they uh, where their spouse talks to them and stuff like that, and um, but some people don't. And 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 um and, and they were saying that uh, related to the private revelation thing is that God knows what everyone kind of like needs and stuff, and He'll give you the the, the grace necessary. Um and and and, and uh, maybe you know some people need need that type of you know transfiguration type moment more more than others. And, 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 yeah. uh, that reminds Definitely. me of uh, what, <laughs> right? yeah. what you're saying reminds me of uh, something that always jumped out at me in the, the story of Fatima because the uh, I think it was Lucille uh, was it, it was Lucille? Lucia. Lucia. Um, she was a nun that lay made it all the way up to yeah. the late 90s I believe or even 100. Yeah. She's the one that um you know, in one of the app, it wasn't the first, second, maybe the, the one in the middle. Um, she was, you know, everybody in the village, people were asking for prayers for, you know, my daughter's got leukemia and asking for miracles, right? And then so the children were asking Our Lady, um, is so-and-so going to be healed? It, it, you know, is this one going to, is this one going to heaven? Is this one now in purgatory right. or in heaven? Right. And are you going to heal these people? And she, her answer was, um, will, will, well, the question is, will they be healed? And the answer was, some will, some won't. And that was the end of it. You know, that was, that was the only answer they got. No, and here's why some will and some won't. Because <laughs> some will and some won't. Yeah. So yeah. that what you were saying made me think of that, you know, because you always wonder why do some people get healed and others don't, you know. But so then you have to start thinking, well, maybe because even my life, you know, God is not my personal Santa Claus, you know, and um, it's all about his will not mine, you know, um, 
and maybe maybe you're right. Some people just really got to see it once in a while, or he knows what you need. What's going to help this person? If I heal this person, will it will it save them? Will it get them into heaven? That's the real question, you know. Salvation is what it's all about, not not how much we suffer here. You know, we 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 may get relief, or we we may not. But no matter what our condition is, we still have to be members of the mystical body, and we still have to keep our eyes on our own salvation and the salvation of people around us, no matter what's going on, whether you're a slave or or a king, you know, and, and everything in between, whether you're suffering or whether you're comfortable. I don't know about, I don't know how successful Elijah was in converting. I think he was the, uh, a prophet that took place between, um, was before the Babylonian exile and the, uh, you know, what the Assyrians did. So he, um, you know, he tried to preach, but I, I think he, you know, ultimately he, uh, on a human level, he wasn't quite as successful as he, um, again, God's will be done, result in the plan of salvation history. And then, you know, one thing I recall about Moses is that he did struck the uh, he struck the rock twice. He was supposed to only strike it once, but he thought that the uh, to draw water mm -hmm. on the verge of them entering yeah. the Holy Land because he, um, he he struck it twice because he just couldn't believe that God would would put up with any more of the unfaithfulness of the uh, the Israelites. So he struck it once, and then before the water gushed forth, he struck it a second time. And then, um, you know, in the, in the children's a picture Bible, the, the account that I'm reading, you know, you know, the, uh, that I read a long time ago, a couple of times, uh, he was not permitted to enter the uh, Holy Land. He got them to the verge because of that, that act, that one act of unfaithfulness. He didn't have, he didn't have faith in God enough to think that just one strike would be enough. And he was told that God spoke to him and said, you will not, because of you, you didn't believe in me. He will not be permitted to enter. And then his brother, um, Jay uh, Aaron. Aaron, he was the one who led them in ultimately. But, you know, based on the transfiguration and, and a whole host of other visions, he did make it to, uh, he is, his soul is up in heaven. Yeah. Because That's right. of, um, That's a good point. Yeah. Because he was, uh, ultimately he was, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's written about in the Old Testament, but he was forgiven. Yeah. And he had done a lot of good things, but you know, whole no his whole notion was, I just can't believe that God's going to, you know, let, give them another break. And he he did because yeah. they did enter the Holy Land. So you have Moses there, imperfect Elijah. You know, he's kind of imperfect. I mean, you know, he was on the chariot of fire, but I mean, you know, he was human, so he made mistakes. He was a sinner probably. And then you have Jesus, who was sinless but endured the. Um, had to under, undergo the uh, the uh, shame and the scorn, you know, the, the cross, the, you know, being beaten down and being crucified right in front of the, uh, and no, uh, with no followers around other than John the Evangelist to uh, return to the foot of the cross ultimately. Right. And then on a human level, that spared him from martyrdom. The only one of the, uh, you know, the new apostle, apostles, Matthias, the other 11 all endured uh, martyrdom. John was spared that he took care of the Blessed Virgin Mary and died a natural death, I believe. But you have Thomas the Doubter, who ended up in India, 
who, you know, the legend is that he was skinned alive. But anytime you see, anytime you see these wonderful Indian priests who are in this country and all across Europe, and, all, and the faithfulness of certain sections of India, yeah. which is predominantly a Hindu country, I mean that that you can trace that all the way back Probably, to Saint yeah. Thomas, yeah. right? So that's the uh, it's a whole part of salvation history uh, type of thing. So, yeah. Well, one thing that John just said that really struck me was um, the Israelites and Mo led by Moses, they were looking for the promised land on earth, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Like we do, we try to get to the best happiness and best place that we can possibly get to, but it's not necessarily achievable by everybody, right? There's a lot of despair, a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of misfortune, right? People have their own stories that prevent them from getting to a place of peace or comfort or tranquility or promised land of, of milk and honey on this earth. But because we see that Moses is in heaven, just because we don't receive what we want here on earth doesn't mean we can't get our ultimate right. destination that we want, which is heaven, which, well, which I think is great, which is a, it's really um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah related to that, um, it says um, uh, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, uh, and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. So, so you know, Jesus leads us to the promised land, like the one that's not here. And, 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 and I don't know. Uh, so yeah, it's like, we can't do it on our own. And, and Jesus accomplished the exodus on the cross in Calvary. Yeah. Right. But, oh, but yeah. what I think he's getting at though, is that the promised land has, is not here. Yeah. It's there. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what we're, you know, yeah, that's it. Salvage. Yeah. Also, like, uh, you know, um, when we receive the Eucharist and, and, and we say, you know, behold the Lamb of God, that's like, you know, the Passover Lamb. Uh, we're, we're getting out of Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Right. Tom, got anything? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, excuse the background noise. They're cutting grass and doing all kinds of stuff, if you guys can hear it. But that one phrase, promised land, uh, well, Robert doesn't know this, but now he will. But you guys know I'm into the contemporary Christian music scene. And Keith, when you get a chance, check out Toby Mac. The song is called Promised Land. Okay. I, I'll tell you guys um, who Toby Mac uh, believes the promised land is, but if you can send that out, maybe as a link to all of us um, and check out that song sometime, that'd be pretty cool. In terms of, um, Robert, you're talking about uh, the prefix uh, trans. Um, what I was thinking about when you guys were talking about those different things that, that have changed um, within mainly the Old Testament, um, I was thinking about the Catholic Church right now, how uh, the Pope is going through this uh, thing called the Synod, and I know some people know about it, some people don't, but I'm just sitting here thinking about what might go on with the Catholic Church, how we are going to be transformed once, once this whole document comes out. I think it's summer of 2023, 
uh, Keith and I went to the first meeting at St. John's last week and we gave our input in terms of mainly how things, I guess, can change within our church. And then all of our ideas are going to be eventually sent back to the Vatican. And I guess we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to relate the gospel to what might happen in the Catholic Church. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe now, as we talk about how we can change. I mean, you guys know that, I mean, at least my opinion is the Catholic Church does have to change. I know it's been around for over 2,000 years, but I really feel um, we have to do more of what we're doing today. I mean, all of us here in this, uh, this fellowship, you know, Holy Spirit gathering, I call it right now. I mean, we get it, I think, but we have to reach out to others who I think are, um, are not church, so to speak. Um, people who have fallen away from their faith or they might go to church maybe once a year. Or, I mean, we have to do that as, as disciples of Christ is to reach out and people back in. Those are just some of the thoughts I was thinking about just sitting here. But Tom, uh, I mean, the, the Catholic Church has changed. And um, during that change, we've lost so many people. You know, so when you say we have to change, what are we going to change into? That's, that's I can only see the thing is I, I can only go by the experience I've had the past year with this church down in Maryland. That's the only experience that i've seen in terms of like for example during the pandemic pandemic it's a catholic church they were thriving the priest would say that at the altar. he's the only priest he's been there for 25 years um they went from a dead church to a thriving church and i just went down there a couple weeks ago it's just it's just amazing um i'll keep spreading the word to anybody up in our area you know take a look at this church and take a look at what they're doing um like when most churches, the attendance is decreasing at that church, the attendance is actually increasing. They have a, uh, a set, they have about 5,000 parishioners. They get about 4,000 who attend either online or in person. I mean, that's 80%. I think that's really good uh, with most churches, which are, you know, much below that. So see, when I say transformation, I can only go by St. John's, the church I belong to, and this church I've been following for about a year where they're, they're pretty much thriving every single day, every single week, especially during the past about six or seven years. And all I can do as a disciple of Christ is to tell people about them. Um, they, yeah. they, ha they have a book called Rebuilt, which their pastor wrote. And they are right now working with between 25 and 30 Catholic churches to take them through the process they went through so they can revive their own churches. So that's what I meant earlier by by transforming the Catholic Church. I really hope that whatever document gets put together by the Pope and all of his cardinals and bishops is the fact that it'll get sent back to us. And I hope, I, I hope and pray that every single pastor on the planet actually takes it into consideration and actually shows it to, to the actual uh, parishioners of each of their churches and tries to revive their church in hopefully a number of positive ways. So that's what I meant earlier by transformation. The fact that I only have St. John's and this other church I'm following to compare with her in terms of a revival and a transformation. St. John's, uh, where's that? That's right around here. It's down the street. Down the street from here? Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to participate in that because I, I have really, really 
grave concerns about this synod on synodality uh, because I, you know, I Googled it and uh, some of the characters that are um, really taken up the banner and, and, and supposedly taken leadership positions in this whole synod thing are heretics, you know? Uh, I mean, really heretics. Uh, les lesbian nun, lesbian French nun, mm -hmm. uh, uh, people who want um, uh, women priests, uh, people who want to uh, sanctify homosexual relationships and things like that. So I, I have a fear. I'm just laying it out here. I, I'm sure that the input that you have sounds good to me. And whatever they're doing in Baltimore at that church is great. I, I, I'd love to learn more about that. But my concern is that, you know, our, Pope Francis is not one for clarity, okay? And I don't know what the heck he believes. Uh, but I have a feeling that there are some in the hierarchy that are just, setting up a fait accompli about uh, um, female priests, female deacons, the feminization of the church, and the march away from uh, tradition and the sacraments uh, so that they can say that, well, look, this is what the people want, so this is how we have to change. And I think that I'm worried about the direction that change will make. If the direction is the way the church in Baltimore is going, and evangelization, bringing people closer to Christ, I'm all for it. But I have a feeling certain other characters are taking over this uh, synod on synodality, and I don't think the outcome uh, looks very promising from that point of view. I've been, I've been uh, pretty anxious about this whole thing based on what I'm reading. Well, we don't know why this church in Baltimore, in Maryland, I don't know if it's Baltimore, suburban. I, we don't know why it's increasing. We're we're not. Yeah, I'd like to know why. John, that, send us I mean, uh, send us a link or whatever, or just tell us the name of the thing when, or text it to us, whatever, so we can look it up. Um, because I don't know why it's growing so much. Maybe they are growing because they are progressive. I don't have any idea. Do you want to give us your email address so we can? Well, uh, oh, Steve, I just Steve can give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, we have your email address, Steve. Yeah. So um, yeah, so, so Steve can give it to you, but. You don't know, right? You don't know. Maybe that's why it's growing is because they're opening it up to all these other people. I have no idea. Is that, could that be why, Tom? Is it, is it because it's progressive, like liberal? Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's the same as us, except they do contemporary Christian music. They um, they have small groups. They have between 100 and 150 small groups, just like you we're doing right now in a small group. They have what's called a message series. So the priest um, does a message series, and then up on the screen on the altar, he has the entire gospel, which he goes over word for word again, and he relates it to the message series. And um, their whole goal is to reach the unchurched, which they've been doing for the past seven, eight, nine years. They literally go out and they, they want to get people to go back to church. Um, yeah, those are the biggest things. Thing. They're, they're very welcoming. Uh, when Barb and I went down there a few weeks ago, um, it's kind of neat to get not that we wanted a gift after mass, but they gave us a gift right. of you know, different things, a book, a coffee mug. Um, I even have a sticker on the back of my car. I stuck it on there when they, when they sent it to me just over a year ago. Um, they're very inviting. They're very welcoming. Uh, people actually, whatever church you guys belong to, um, like do people stay after mass is finished or do they just go home? 
at this church, everybody stays. Uh, coffee, donuts, every single mass, every single Sunday. So that's briefly what they do. Yeah, so it sounds like a Protestant church to me uh, because th that's what Protestant, I mean, when I think of Protestant churches, I think, uh, listen, brother, I, I love contemporary Christian music. I go to, you know, Casting Crowns concerts and everything else, right? So um, it, it, I love it. But the Catholic Church in its simplest form is, is people are not there to be entertained, right? With coffee and donuts and gifts and mugs and, and uh, you know, music that is, is uh, plentiful and, and contemporary, right? I mean, I see benefits of it, but we're there for the sacraments. We're there to hear and, and, uh, uh, and be um, educated upon the word of God. And not that this guy isn't doing it, right? Because you said he goes through word for word. Yeah. But we're there for the Eucharist, right? We're there to see the body and blood of Christ be transformed from, from uh, you know, bread and wine. So, and everything, uh, everything, everything you just said is exactly what they do. They, they do every, the last part of what you just said, that they do all that. Well, I should hope. <laughs> I mean, that's what defines us as a Catholic church as opposed to a Protestant church, right? Well, maybe they the, don't have that. Maybe the good thing is that, you know, you have a church, a Catholic church, and you make it the center of your uh, culture. And we have a little microcosm of a culture there in, in that church so that all our socializing and such happens uh, around the nucleus of the church and the faith, much like it operated, uh, you know, a hundred years ago when you had, you know, every, you know, uh, men would join fraternal uh, organizations like the Knights of Columbus, St. Francis de Sale, or uh, St. Francis de Paul Society and the Holy Name Society and things yeah. like that, you know. In those days, you know, people were attracted to the nucleus of the church yeah. in that fashion. I'm sorry to interrupt, you know? but not just in those days, 100 years ago. A thousand years ago, yeah. when you were building a new community in Europe, right? A town, I'd say. The first thing to ever go up was the church, yeah. right? Yeah. And right. then everyone was, the church was in the center of that town yeah. and everything was built around it. So it's yeah. not just 100 years ago. It was yeah. back then, too. That's how it is but in, uh, in where Ave Marie University is. And yeah. I think it's in the vicinity of Naples, Florida. You know, they church. The yeah. Kind of like this huge, old-fashioned type of architecture church is right in the middle. And that, you know, you know predominantly Catholics are moving into uh, yeah. the housing that they're erecting uh, that radiates out from the, the center point, which yeah. is the church. I'm, I'm not saying, Tom, that what's... What you're doing is not bad, right? It's great. And what they're doing down in Baltimore is great, right? Yeah. But this has been done before. This has been done during the 1970s when we had all these, you know, tambourines and guitars and whatever. And, and guitar, everything was welcoming and everything was, you know, you know, what they call folk mass or whatever, right? Yeah, that's yeah, what it's called. Exactly. Folk mass, folk right? Mass. And uh, and it was it, it tried, right? And it worked for a while. Yeah. But the thing is, it's for a while, right? Um, 
I think the best thing about that program is that they're evangelizing to people who are falling away, falling away, or, or. Um, so that's the best thing is that they're going out to people who who uh, are falling away or, or. Uh, yeah. You know, and maybe be converted, right? Maybe really, maybe the Catholic Church hasn't really been so good at that. Uh, Pre-Vatican II, because nobody was really leaving the church in large numbers as they are today. I mean, you look at, I look at my kids, right. you know, I'm, I'm trying to grab them by the collar and bring them back, you know, right. and it's like, and it's tireless, you know, because you're always fighting against. Yeah. I mean, there's, the there's so many mindset. books and resources. You have to, uh, if you're, if you're a responsible or semi-responsible adult, you have all of these books and videotapes and audio tapes, and you can listen to Catholic radio and you can, you can realize that, um, you know, there's so much out there. And if you educate yourself, then the natural conclusion is that you, uh, you ought to be as faithful as you can. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall away. But if, um, you know, one thing about the Catholic church is the fact that there's a mass every day, you, you can live your faith every single day, theoretically speaking, you know, and there are different saints you can read about, and different uh, devotionals and all sorts of, you know, the rosary has the four themes, you know, two, you know, three for two days, and then the luminous mysteries, as we referenced before. And then just being able to, uh, you know, you live your faith as a, as a saint of the day. And there's all this, uh, if you spend an hour or two on that, uh, plan your day around that, as opposed to, uh, you know, getting distracted by uh, the many addictions in society, you know, then um, then you can keep on the uh, straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. Again, you're going to fall away sometimes. Everybody's nobody's perfect, but uh, that's the one thing. Being able to, you know, that is a good practice, and um, especially that's emphasized in Advent and Lent. You know, there seems to be an idea in in our culture. Uh, to look at religion and and you know and say well how's that going to make me happy okay um and that's not what it's all that's not what it's trying to do you know that that's not a reason for becoming a christian uh, you know i see an awful lot of people these days that are and i've met one recently a christian which means not catholic um and putting out this, I am very, ha I'm, I, I love Jesus, and that, and that's why I'm so happy. Vibe, you know, which I, I don't understand, um, because that's definitely not going to last. Because you have a, a people going in thinking this is going to make me happy. Um, and then that's just not going to last over time. And there, it's going to be like a, a, a receding tsunami. After it hits the shore, it's just going to all wash out the sea and take everything with it. Uh, Tom, I, uh, I want to make one observation about contemporary Christian music. Um, never will you hear a song about Mary or about saints which is two things that we, we uh, you know, the communion of saints and, and, uh, and Mary as being uh, the fourth part of the Trinity, really, right? Uh, you'll never hear that. There was one song that was made by um, 
um, uh, who was that guy with the beard? Kenny Kenny Rogers? Kenny Kenny Rogers? Kenny Rogers, right? Yeah. Um, Mary, did you know? Remember? Mary, did you know? It's a Christmas song. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a baby you're gonna have. Be, yeah. Be, oh. So in other words, the country, right, right, the country right. singer. Yeah, the country just died a couple of years ago. Yeah, but right, remember, Mary, did you know that that baby born would be the, you know, great? But that's the only song I've ever heard from Christian uh, contemporary Christian music that ever even mentioned Mary. So, oh um, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, I don't know what's going on down there. I'd be glad to read about it. Well, when I'm they just... when they. The evangelize are they evangelizing only to falling away Catholics and that's who's coming back and growing the church or are they doing it to Protestants too? I don't know how to have to ask. Well, Thomas, Thomas, you can send whatever you have. Yes, Steve, he can email away. Yeah, I'd be really interested in that. And Tom, I'm just I, I gotta say I'm really glad that the synod on synodality is interested in talking to people like you, okay, and and Keith. Because I think that's what they really need to hear. Because my fear is that well, all the communists and the heretics who are so quick to organize and, and get okay. to the front of the line on this stuff, right. you know? You better believe it. There's no better organizers than communists. Well, right. uh, you know, it is open to everyone in the church. So it's like, I don't know when your parish is happening, but you should go to the one yeah. in your, yeah. your parish. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll tell you what, when my parish, where I go, a very conservative parish, I don't think I've ever heard the words uh, synod or synodality mentioned uh, yeah. ever. Yeah. Certainly not in the bulletin and not, in, not from the bulletin. Well, Father Stan should get involved because that's the voice, one of the voices that really needs to be heard. Well, they won't, they won't hear. They won't hear. From it they probably don't want to hear. From yeah, them. I'm going to have to ask my son. My son is a priest in a pre-1962 uh, parish in oh. Harrisburg. Oh, wonderful. You know, okay. the uh, order of the Fraternal Order of St. Peter. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And uh, okay. so he's been there since uh, the middle of 2019. Okay. okay. And he should be scheduled for transfer in 2020. You know, this, yeah, because of the uh, because of the pandemic of COVID-19, he'll be given probably an extra year to uh, to fully experience, you know, his power. So he's a relatively new, um, right, uh, new priest. Right. Yeah, he's been, uh, it's coming up on uh, three years. Ah, so yeah, they transfer uh, the new guys into three years, four years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So he, uh, How about that? you know, but I imagine since they, you know, they, 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 their personnel is dictated by their superior. Um, so as long as they put qualified people in the church, everything's good. But ultimately, they have to obey the, uh, the ordinary or the, the, the Bishop of Harrisburg. Right. You know, so if my son is asked to go to a, a regular parish in Camp Hill or over in Mechanicsburg to help your confessions, you know, yeah. for personnel, you know, during during Advent and and during you know um, Lent, you know, he's going to try to accommodate that request and then do do hospital visitations where he's needed. Um, but they're um, you know, they're amongst their parishioners, other than their other than those who are homebound or have things come up on a given Sunday, you know, their membership is uh in terms of attending church on Sundays is one hundred percent. Because you know, they're they're going that, that orthodox route mm -hmm. and the mass is spoken in Latin and he's facing the uh tabernacle, right, you know, right. and so on and so forth. And even when he married my youngest son, 
down in a church in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, back going back to June, um, you know, he took he took care of the wedding ceremony was done first. Uh-huh. Done first for what, 15 or 20 minutes, and then the holy sacrifice of the mass, which honors um, you know, the sacrifice Jesus Christ. That that's the focal point in any kind of uh religious type, you know. Uh, sorry, I also have to head out uh in a little bit. Is it all right if we end the podcast? Yeah, we're in the podcast. Unfortunately, Tom you left. Me, you can, you're welcome to stay here, sip coffee, drink, have bagels, blueberry pie, whatever, and carry on. I know Steve yeah. likes to hang out. Okay. I'd like to talk to you guys after. And yeah, John. let's complete it. So, so, so let's just finish up the uh, official part of the okay. uh, of the week. Okay. Uh, let, let, let's just say, uh, 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 John, lead us in a prayer of, 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 of what you'd uh, like. Well, to. just, you know, everybody, I hope everybody has a good, uh, good weekend and good Lent. And we we you, you we want to go around here and offer a brief uh, yeah okay and I just want to pray for you know peace sooner rather than later in uh, in the Ukraine where the end of hostilities and the end of destruction and loss of life you know even though you know, just to have that come to an end and other areas too Yemen Syria all the troubled areas in this world that have not gotten as much attention because the people look different than us so mm-hmm. for peace in the world. Peace in Ukraine throughout the world. That's what I pray for. Go ahead, Doug. Robert, say something. I need special prayers for my family. Um, we're going through a, uh, to use the trans word, we're going through a transition. So um, I need prayers that uh, once we're transformed, that we will all be happy, healthy, and holy. Amen. Uh, I guess I'd like to pray for for Mark and feeling here. Um, also for for John. Uh, whatever uh, um, you know, I guess have a more stable and uh, better housing situation. Also for you know, Thanksgiving for my brother Timothy, who's going to be getting out of the hospital soon, and, uh, and all, all my family and friends. Uh, I'd pray for all you guys and, and all of your intentions and for uh, healings uh, for all the people on my prayer list and uh, and also in, in thanksgiving gratitude for uh, what's happened to the good things that have happened to Mike Cregan uh, and for conversions and for the uh, holy souls in purgatory. Mark? Yeah, I like to pray for everybody's help and especially for all those who help support me in uh, as I'm going through this uh, this, uh, this uh, trial here. So uh, I, I appreciate it all from, from all of you. Thank you very much. Is Tom still there? Yeah, Tom left. He, he had to go. Yeah, he beached. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's say the uh, the three regular prayers. Then uh, actually, let's 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 say the uh, an act of contrition first. Um, certainly. Uh, oh my God, I'm horribly sorry for everything that I've been saying, and I detest it all. Because of your the most we're all good in the service of all our lives. Very much with the help of your grace. That's been no more. Enjoy your beauty and the life. Amen. Okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And as one was beginning, is now, and ever shall be, for the world of God. And prayers for St. Joseph, uh, St. Joseph, the Father, patron saint of uh, Ukraine. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank God. Thank you. Uh, Keith is a mastermind here with the uh, with the technology, and that that was that was.